Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Today, we begin a new series today to address the second principality that we addressed and said is one of the key enemies of this body. That principality is poverty. I had not intended to do what I'm getting ready to do. And I don't know if I'm going to get to my notes or not. We'll see. Can I define poverty for you? And see if this doesn't sound like where many of our, us are living. I want to define poverty this morning as this. Learned helplessness. about that statement for a second. That's not true in every society. There are societies that are overcome by poverty because they don't have. But that's not our story. We have learned helplessness. You say you're talking about money? Maybe. But I'm, I'm talking about in the spiritual realm, I'm wondering if many of us haven't learned helplessness. I'll just throw that out. I'll just leave that right there for you. Because I told John, I'm tired of having to say, well, I'm helpless in this situation. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Anybody else? When did we get there? I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see that in the walk of the early believers. What I see is people that walked around in authority and power, and they didn't know they were supposed to be helpless, so they weren't. Okay, it got quiet in here all of a sudden. I just want to challenge you. We're going to spend, I am convinced, man, our second, second service, I'm sorry. They're just going to have to come in late. I, got, I, don't, I, don't. Um, I just know that we have to address poverty. I, it is a financial deal. It has implications financially. But as we go through the next few months together and we attack this thing head on. Please understand, this is more than just money. This is about a condition that we find ourselves in where we've learned to be helpless. And we need to overcome this thing. All right, I'm going to try to get on script here. We'll see. Um, a beautiful young redhead makes her way into the doctor's office and she tells the doctor, I need your help because... My entire body hurts. And he says, well, I don't understand. Explain. And she, she said, well, let me show you. And she took her, her finger and she pushed on her right cheek and she screams in pain. And he says, okay. Is there, she said, yeah, watch. And she pushed her right or left elbow and with her finger and just screams in excruciating pain. She 
he's like, man, this is weird. She reaches down and she pushes her right leg and just screams in agonizing pain. Finally, she reaches down and touches her ankle, does the same thing. And he stops her and he says, you're not really a redhead, are you? You're a blonde. And she said, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really a blonde. I dyed my hair red. He said, yeah, your finger's broken. Uh, all right, so I used to be a blonde, so I'm, okay. <laughs> okay, some of you are just, you're, you're slow, but you're worth waiting on. Uh, All right, James, please tell me it was you that delayed and not Dina, was it? Okay, all right, because I, all right. The point is this. Yeah, okay. How, how many of you know that being broke makes everything hurt? When you're broke, doesn't matter financially, spiritually, relationally, everything else hurts. In fact, what I've discovered is, is that you can have everything else going, but if you're broke in one area, it makes everything else, you're, you're skewed in everything else. Am I right? Uh, over the coming weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to combat the second principality. Second principality. You'll remember that uh, on July the 5th, I named five principalities that I felt like that we had to combat, that these were the principalities, the principles, the way of thinking that had set themselves up in our area, and in particular in our body. The first one we dealt with, although it was out of order, you will remember that we spent three solid months, civil wars, body functions, friends, dealing with the principality of isolation. Because what I've discovered is this, is that we do not have the ability to, uh, to take on the other four principalities if we're separated from one another. Um, and so, for whatever reason... This one scares me a little bit. Not scares, I'm afraid to deal with it. It just worries me a little bit because what I've discovered about us is that we will stand next to someone and, and in, a, in a moment, in an emotional moment, we will share our deepest, darkest, most scarred moments relationally. But as soon as we try to address poverty, we put up walls. We don't want anybody to know our business. When it comes to this area, when we start talking about money and possessions and wealth, we cocoon ourselves and we build up this fortress and we go into defensive mode. I think that's probably true because in America, in, its, in this area in particular, what we've done is we have embraced a type of Christianity that draws a huge line of separation between God and church and everything else. We, we understand and we have been talked to about separation of church and state. We understand that. But I don't think that's necessarily what most of us have embraced. I think what most of us have embraced is separation of church and estate. And so we will allow God to impact every area of our life except that one. And, and, and so we like to quote Psalm chapter 24 verse 1 which said this, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Or in other words, God owns everything until He gives it to us. Then when He gives it to us, we tend to make those things off limits and instead of taking stewardship, what we want to do is we don't want to practice stewardship, we want to practice ownership. 
and so we, we draw lines and we draw limits and we won't let God have all of our life. That's what takes place in, in Acts chapter 5. I'm not going to take time to read it to you. You know the story. It's about Ananias and Sapphira. The Bible says that they sold a piece of property. They'd come into evidently some type of a relationship with Jesus. I think they probably had gotten saved somewhere around the day of Pentecost and they're trying to walk out this fledgling walk that has been established in their life and they go and they sell a piece of property quote, for the gospel good, and they bring and they, they give an offering, remember? And they, they testify, I sold the property, I've given God everything. The problem is they hadn't. They kept some of it for themselves. Do you remember what happens? They die. So they, 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 they know Jesus as Savior, but they have not graduated in their relationship to Him to where they make Him Lord. Because Savior and Lord are two different things. And as Savior, Jesus had no claim on their stuff. But as Lord, He would have had claim over everything. They practiced ownership, not stewardship. And it cost them their life. We sing about, I'm going to give you my all, but we draw lines around items that we like. Don't we? I'm going to give you my all except certain stuff. And then we get an exclusion list. I'll give you my all except for this, this relationship, this, this, this possession, this item. Even though we know that David declared that it's not even really worship until it costs you. And so I would submit to you that what we do is that many of us continue to lie about our stuff to God. And because we die slowly instead of instantly, we believe we've escaped God. We are broke, and we need to be restored in every area of our lives. Why? Listen, if you don't hear anything else I say today, listen to this. If we are bound by anything, then we are limited in everything. Did you get that? If we are bound by anything, we are limited in everything. Let me prove it. If you're bound by drugs, it impacts your life so that you're limited in every, every, every area of your life. You can't pursue your dreams. You can't have healthy relationships. You can't move into any new thing because you're bound by that one thing. If you're bound by depression in this area, then, then it impacts the rest of your life because you don't have healthy relationships because you're depressed. If you're bound by anything, you're limited in everything. And so you can be free in your worship, you can be free in your testimony, you can be free in your walk, but if you're bound in your finances, you are limited in every other area of your life. And so I'm asking you that what we need to do is that over the coming weeks, you've got to lean in a little bit, and you've got to come close, and you've got to pull up and listen and apply and come to this place where you will submit to Jesus every area of your life. No off limits. Don't leave your wallet in the car. Don't leave your house off the block. It's an open book. God, everything I am is yours. Speak to me about everything in my life. Everything in my life. Before we can... Um, jump into the lessons of this next couple weeks. Listen, you've got to be here the next two weeks. I've got some stuff that I have never uh, seen in the Word before, and as I was moving into this and preparing for this over the next at least two weeks, I know I've got a word from the Lord for you about some stuff. You've got to be here. But before we can get into that, I have got to set up some basic foundational truths. If we don't understand these broke basics, we cannot embrace the revelation that I believe God's given me for next week and the following week. If you don't embrace this stuff right here, it's basics. 
But if we don't get this right, the rest won't work. So let me just say some things. I'm going to say them quick so you better, you better listen carefully, listen fast, write notes fast. Here it is. Number one, poverty is a way of thinking. We said that we were attacking principalities, principles. Principles are the way we think. Poverty is literally a method of thinking. Learned helplessness. We learn to think like that. And so that's, that's why folks who have nothing can be happy and folks that have everything can be sad and depressed because poverty is not about how much money you have or you don't have. It is a way of thinking. Solomon understood that money wasn't the key issue. It's about how you think about money. You understand that Solomon received 25 tons of gold every, uh, every year in addition to the taxes he was charging merchants and, and traders. So money was no problem for him. And yet he even comes to the conclusion that money doesn't impact everything. It's the way you think. He says in Proverbs chapter 11 that at the end, when it's all said and done, on the day of wrath, money will not help you a bit he understood this is about how you think that's why the writers say to us where your treasure is your heart will be also it determines how you think how you handle how you think about wealth and finances and possessions will impact your entire life because it's how you think that's why in the old testament we, are, we understand that God shows us that he's more interested in our money and our possessions. No, he's interested in that because it reveals where our heart is and it reveals what we value. It's how we think. That's why in Malachi chapter 3, he shows us that we either value or devalue God by how we handle our money. And literally, when we don't value God with our money and our stuff and things, we put ourselves, we put ourselves under a curse. Everybody I've ever heard preaches, it says this, if you don't bring the tithe to God, he will curse you, hogwash. If we don't bring our possessions and our wealth and our finances and lay them at the feet of God, God doesn't curse us, we curse us. And he just agrees with what we set into motion by our thought patterns. Our enemy works in our mind. He attacks our mind and our thoughts towards stuff. And our treasure impacts our heart, which impacts our mind. Poverty is a way of thinking. Number two, the principality of poverty sets itself in place and it is rooted in fear. Here's how poverty mentality works. I'll never have enough. I mean, you got like $45,000 in the bank, but I'll never have enough. You live in a house with running water and an air conditioner that comes on when it's supposed to and goes off when it's supposed to. And the electricity comes on on a regular basis, but I'll never have enough. You had to go into your closet this morning and sort through to figure out what you were going to wear. Some of you at this moment are actually storing your summer clothes to make room for your winter clothes. But poverty mentality says, I still don't have enough. I'll run out. Most of you are not going to have to go home and go and open the cabinet and there's nothing there. Your cupboards are full may not be your preference, but they're full. And yet in your mind, it goes like this. This is how poverty works. It sets itself up in fear. I'm going to run out. I don't have enough. 
There's going to be a day when I won't have enough. Our heart readily quotes and believes and agrees with David when he says as an old man in Psalm chapter 37, verse 25, I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or there's children begging for bread. We understand that. We quote that. We even believe that. But the principality of poverty sets itself up in our mind and in our fear, and it causes us to lack trust. And so even though we have more than enough, we literally think, I don't have enough. I'm going to run out. I would say to you this morning that the lack of trust in one season is a revelation of broken heart in another season. I said that fast, you didn't catch it. I said, lack of trust in one season is a revelation of a broken heart in another season. And some of you are battling lack of trust because your heart was broken in another season and now you're not sure you can trust God. with he, you, you, you had a broken heart in one area, but now because you had a broken heart in one area, now in this season when God's calling you to submit everything to him, you know, I don't know if I can trust him or not. I just don't. It's all about fear. That's what causes people of faith to panic and make bad decisions in the area of their finances, lack of trust, lack of faith, it's all because of fear. Third, poverty is usually linked not to a lack of resources, but to a lack of stewardship. Lack, not a lack of resources. We find ourselves trapped in poverty thinking not because of lack of resources, but a lack of stewardship. Well, you don't know what I make. doesn't matter. Oh, that, did, that went over huge. Money does not and will not ever solve your problems. Discipline will. Poverty mentality is broken by planning. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 18 says this. He who ignores discipline comes to poverty and shame. But whoever heeds correction is honored. That is why we have to learn the skills and the discipline necessary to manage what you have. Because if you don't learn to manage what you have, what you don't have will manage you. We know this is true because what we see is we, find, we see people time and time again who are bound by the principality of poverty, who get a raise, who win the lottery. I know some of y'all played the lottery. I've watched you. Y'all didn't know I was in the, in the, in the, on cue, but I watched you. <laughs> you get a bonus. Since, it's, since poverty sets itself up and not in lack of resources but in lack of stewardship, you get all, any one of those, like taxes will come in, and minutes, months, a year later, you return to broke. Not because you had a lack of resource, but because you got a blessing and you didn't know how to steward it or manage that blessing. When we are bound by poverty, we need food, but we get our nails done instead. When we're bound by poverty, our cabinets are full and we go out to eat. (laughs) 
So in order to break poverty then, then I submit to you, in order to break poverty, God does not have to increase my finances. See, some of y'all were hoping we were going to stand up and preach all through this series that God was going to increase your finances. We're going to give you like a little magic cloth. You can take it home, put it under your pillow, and over the course of the next few months, money cometh. Y'all have heard that one? Money cometh. I'm still waiting on for money to cometh because, because what I've recognized is God does not have to increase my finances to increase my wealth. What he's got to increase is my stewardship of the finances I already I'm preaching right now. If he would just give me more money. I've discovered God doesn't like to give stuff to folks that leak. All he has to do to increase my wealth is to convince me to increase my stewardship. We want God to miraculously change our finances. Can I tell you what God will do? He will methodically change your stewardship. We spend ourselves into bankruptcy and we expect God, then we get serious, and we, we, I mean, it's bad. So we get serious, and we, we bombard heaven. Oh, rescue me, rescue me, rescue me. And it doesn't happen most of the time. Every, every so often you hear about somebody getting a miracle, but most of the time it comes through methodical changes that we make in our stewardship. Fourth, you ain't never heard a preacher say what I'm getting ready to say. Ain't never, never, ain't, ain't a word, I, you ain't never heard what I'm getting ready to say. Here it is. You can't tithe your way out of bad habits because you know preachers is about some tithe. So y'all just expecting this for the next two months to just beat you up. You got to tithe, man, tithe. Tithe don't fix stupid. All right? Because this, this is what I know. All right, let me tell you what I know for for a fact. The tithe works. Living proof right here. The tithe works. God is bound by his word. If he's not bound by his word, then he's a liar. Then he's not God because God can't lie, right? So if he's bound by his word, then what I know is it works. You don't even have to be saved and it works. You take 10% and you give it first fruits, not when everything else is paid. That's a whole different lesson because then it's not first fruits. He didn't ask for our last fruits. He asked for our first fruits. First 10%. Well, I got to pay my light bill first, then I'll see if I have it. No, first fruits. We bring our first fruits. We give them to God. He's bound by his word. And so because he's bound by his word, we get blessed. It's inevitable. It always works that way. But unless you correct your habits, you will squander any blessing obtained by your obedience. We got to learn to think differently. We cannot throw the required amount at God as if He gives us license to mishandle the rest of everything that we've given and that we've gained. Okay, tithing is not magic. It's not a magic wand that you just wave and it fixes everything. You have heard this. Listen, you can wave. Well, I tithe, but yeah, you're being stupid. 
So a tithe doesn't fix that. I tithe, then I went out and got a car I couldn't afford. Tithing ain't going to fix your stupidity. Take the thing back. You've heard this said, and it is true. You can live better on the blessed 90% than you can live on the cursed 100%. Have you heard that? That is true. It is true. You can live better on the blessed 90% than you can live on 100% of cursed, correct? That is true. But if you don't handle the 90% that's blessed correctly, you're going to struggle. Because tithing does not fix bad habits. Five, poverty, menta- poverty mentality is, is identifiable by the existence of trouble. Do you hear what I just said? Poverty mentality is identifiable by the existence of trouble in your life. Okay, that went over huge. How many of us gain what we name as wealth? Come on now. I told you, you got to come close. Let's talk. How many of us have, have gained what we would say is wealth? Like cars and houses, second houses, clothes, jewelry. We'll even go one step further. We don't even call it wealth. We call it this, that, that magic word. We're blessed. Right? I'm blessed. But if in procuring, that means to purchase, to go and get, to obtain, if we go and get that stuff and we find that it produces trouble, may I submit to you at that moment that you can identify the fact that you have a poverty mentality? Okay, I know you don't understand. If we find ourselves stressed out, stretched to the limit, controlled, consumed, enslaved, then by earthly standard, we we may be wealthy, but in in a very real and spiritual term, we are broke. Wealth obtained by our own hands, rather than being obtained as a true blessing from the Lord, comes with and is always accompanied by trouble. Well, how do you prove that? Okay. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. And he adds no trouble to it. Some of you got stuff you can't even pay for. Some of you right now are paying 18, 22% interest, and you're calling yourself blessed, and you're not blessed, you're broke. You are slave to that bank. But I'm blessed. No, you're not. You're trapped in poverty because you had to buy something to impress people that don't even like you. 
to keep up with the Joneses, and you don't even know who the Joneses are. Because they'll, they'll, I'll come to church, and I've worn the same pair of jeans two weeks in a row, and they'll remember because it's got that one little stripe right there. They'll remember, man, doesn't he have another pair of jeans? So I go, and I have to run to Kohl's and buy me another pair of jeans. I don't even need because I don't want to end. Poverty, it produces trouble. Some of you are calling yourselves blessed, and you're about to stress completely out. You don't know how you're going to make it. And Scripture says that when God blesses you, He will not add any trouble to it. What kind of father would God be if He was going to give you a blessing and then add trouble to it? Some of y'all get mad at God because the blessings you're enjoying are killing you. I wish you'd have never given me the house. He didn't. You had to get it yourself because you thought you needed something bigger. Well, I hate this house, man. I wish God would have never given it to us. He didn't. You had to have a swimming pool so bad. Now you wish you didn't have to keep up the swimming pool, and it's driving you crazy. I wish God had never given us this dog. He didn't. He knew he was going to eat 45 pounds of food every week and that you would spend $9,000 a year on that stupid dog taking him to the vet, giving him something to eat, and now you find yourself broke, and I can't pay. I can't even pay. I can't even eat at Burger King because i got to buy my stupid dog. He didn't give you that dog. You went and got that dog because he was cute. Poverty is identifiable by trouble. What is causing you trouble? You know what poverty is? It's a stupid tax. That's what it is. Stupid tax. We were dumb enough to buy it on our own, blame God for it. Now we're suffering the consequences, and he ain't blessing us. He didn't give it to you. All right. Some of you have obtained things that you dreamed about, but now to maintain or keep those things in your lives, your life is full of trouble. These are the basics. These are why we find ourselves broke. If we don't start by learning these basics, then we will want some magic potion. Y'all are just hoping that either me or Pastor Woody or somebody will get Dave Ramsey to stop by on a Sunday morning. We'll get somebody to roll in here and give you some magic potion that will be heavy on God and light on us. Word. We want God to do all the work. And he's looking at us and he's going, if you would just learn to manage and steward and be satisfied and be content and be submitted and obey in this area of your life, then I wouldn't add any trouble. So here's what I know. Over the course of the next few months, if what we're going to talk about is going to have any impact or effect, if, if what we discuss is going to bring any change to our current situation, even if by your own estimation your situation is good, what if it could be better? It is going to require us to come to a place of surrender in one of the hardest places to surrender, and that is our finances and our wealth and what we own. God has, has effectively proven himself to be a great manager. He continues to faithfully and successfully manage a portfolio that most of us covet. 
Listen, it don't matter how wealthy you are, you are this morning. It doesn't matter how many zeros you got on the back end of your checking account. It doesn't matter how many stocks you own, how many bonds you own, how many houses you own, how many cars you own. It don't matter how much stuff you got buried in your backyard that nobody knows about. Doesn't even come close to what God manages. And he's proven himself pretty effective. What I would say to you this morning is this. If we could submit the, if we, if, and I think most of you in this room have, if you can present the one priceless thing that you have in your possession, you know what that is? Your soul. If you have come to the place where you have submitted that one priceless thing to him, then why would we be silly enough if we can trust him with our soul to come to the place where we're not able to trust him with everything else? That makes no sense. And so I just want to say to you this morning that for many of us, we remain hurt relationally and spiritually and physically because we, are, we have an area of our life in that we refuse to submit or surrender. And so since we are broke in one area, every other area we touch hurts. And I just want us to come to this place as a body where when we sing we're whole, we mean this. We're whole. Every area of our life is whole. Father, this morning, different. I believe you've been here. I have no doubt this morning that your presence has been in this house. We have sensed you moving and speaking. And God, we've asked you for more. We've asked you for blessings. When we ask you for more, you are literally asking you for blessings. But God, this morning, I pray that as we start this journey together, we've we've tried to destroy isolation so that we're in this together, that we're not on our own. We're linked relationally to one another so that we can encourage one another in this, this struggle right here. God, I pray that as we walk through this together, we would literally come to the place where everything that we own, everything that we have, everything that is in our possession, just like we did on the day that we accepted you as our Savior and asked you to take our soul, we ask you this morning that everything we have is yours. We lay it at your feet. We submit it to you. Become the Lord. Because we understand that if we are bound in any area, we are limited in every other area. And so, God, if there's any area of disobedience, if there's any area of unfaithfulness, God, I'll pray this one for me. If there's any area of stupidity where I have not allowed you to rule and reign, and so the stuff I, I keep calling blessing is accompanied by trouble, I pray that over the course of the next couple of months, we would find ourselves willing to allow you to convince us to become better stewards of what we have. We give you permission to invade every area of our lives. I ask that you would accomplish that in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you say, Steve, I don't know Jesus. I'm not in relationship with him. You're talking about giving Jesus everything. I haven't even given him the most important thing. I haven't given him my heart today I just want to start with baby steps I want to make him savior first I'll get to Lord but I need to make him savior 
If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior this morning, now is your opportunity. We will not embarrass you here. We simply want to pray intelligently and put materials in your hands that will help you on this new journey so that you can make Him Lord. If you're here and you'd like to accept Jesus, develop a personal relationship with Him, would you just lift your hand and pull it straight back down? I need to know Jesus as my Savior this morning. Is there one? Is there one? Father, I pray today for our movers. I ask for the ten folks that each of us are praying for on a daily basis. I pray that you would bring them to salvation knowledge. Help us to be great ambassadors. When they see us, I pray they would see folks that are blessed and not broke. And I pray that we would lead them into relationship with you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.